everybody to another episode of the podcast to be named later. I am Noah Hiles. He is Alex Stump. And Alex, the Pirates have some baseball today. Knock on wood. Hopefully. If everything yeah. goes right. This all, I mean, we're, yeah. We're, we're hoping. We're hoping there's some baseball today. <laughs> I this, is watched... gonna be the, this is going to be the first game we ever covered together. I mean, for the same outlet, yeah. Yes, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. I know, man. History in the making. Look at us. <laughs> All right. But we've hey, got enough hey. of a romance on this podcast already. Look at us. <laughs> Look at us. Hey, who would have thought? Not me. Not me. All right. Anyway, they take on the Cleveland Indians, a team that's one game out of first place in the American League Central Division, a team that not too long ago, the Buccos scrimmaged three times before the start of the regular season. And while they lost all three of those games, I thought they looked a lot better. That didn't look like a 4-14 and 14 ball club, I thought, in those scrimmages. But here we are. 4-14 four and 14 are the Pittsburgh Pirates yep. as they take on the Tribe. And the Indians are one of the more interesting teams in baseball right now. Not necessarily for what they're doing on the field. We'll get to that in a second. But for the COVID side of things, uh, for those who do not know, last week, Two of their more notable players, two members, two-fifths of their starting rotation, which is the best in baseball, broke COVID-19 protocols for Major League Baseball. They won out uh, on a Saturday night after a victory over, I believe, the Chicago White Sox. And the first pitcher, Zach Plesak, tried to get back in the team hotel late at night. They caught him, immediately sent him home. Another Indians pitcher, Mike Clevenger, who's one of the better pitchers in baseball, lied, said he wasn't there, rode with the team on the plane, and then to their next game, and then when they found out that he was with Plesak, they sent him home. So since all of that's gone down, Alex, both of them were sent home to Cleveland to quarantine. They then drove up themselves to Detroit over the weekend to rejoin the Indians to be greeted by their teammates in a meeting where they were informed that they would be going back to the minor leagues temporarily or to the training camp facility as a punishment. And who was the leader of this operation, you might ask? Any who? guesses? It was none other than Oliver Perez. The former pirate from when you and I were learning our times tables stood on the table <laughs> and said, I will opt out if you allow these two back in on the major league roster right now. So they're being sent down to my, the minor leagues for enough time where if they stay, if they both say, I believe it's 20 days, they will lose a year of service time and they will have, another uh, one more they'll have to wait another year until they're unrestricted free agents francisco lindor was also very vocal about them being upset and i know this is a pirates podcast but this is to me the biggest story in baseball right now alex what are your thoughts on this entire situation i mean please i conclude the clevenger are definitely in the wrong there's absolutely no way around it it's and you know it just takes someone like that to mess up the whole league or one third of the league, just shut it down. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what's happened to the pirates here. Like even the Cardinals casino theory has been debunked, but still 
someone was irresponsible at some point, and it, it, it shut down that team for weeks. The Reds, it, it was one person, and we don't know the player, we don't know the story, we don't know anything with that, but one positive test shut down the last two games of that series. And, you know, it's not even, you know, why do you have the taxi squad? You know, because it's like, because it could spread to other people into the clubhouse. That's the real problem. And it could spread With to one all. of their teammates who just recovered from leukemia less than yes. a year ago. Yeah. I think, and that was the driving force behind some of the anger that you saw from Oliver Perez or that you heard about from Oliver Perez, from Francisco Lindor, from multiple other members of the Indians who said, you rode on a plane with a guy who has a weak immune system because he just beat cancer less than a year ago. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, and then, and, and so I've been following this cause I used to part of my duties at my old job were to cover the Indians. And so I know the team pretty well. And please released a statement, I guess you could say on his Instagram story. Weak, a weak ass statement. And here's the thing. He's like a 23, 24-year-old kid, and I say this as a 25-year-old kid. So, But, I, I mean, I kind of see what he's saying in the sense where I don't agree with it. But he's saying, look, I was in a small group. I was following CDC stuff or whatever. But here's the thing, buddy. You're not following CDC stuff. You're following Major League Baseball stuff. You're, yeah. you're doing extra stuff because you're traveling to a different city yeah. every single week. And you're literally in con- – you work – Next to you're next in the rotation, I believe, behind a guy who just recovered from cancer. So you're working out with him every day. You're in direct contact with him every day. You're not a normal person. You don't fall. If Alex and I want to go to a restaurant with five people, that's our prerogative. We're allowed to do that. We're not getting paid to stay in a hotel room. Paid well, yeah. I might add. So, yeah, I mean, it was just a mind-numbing argument and. To be honest, I love what the Indians are doing here. I think these guys are getting exactly what they deserve. And it, it, it speaks a lot to an organization to, A, I mean, I'm jealous of their pitching depth, that they can send Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak to the minors as a punishment for, for three weeks. And they're like, well, we'll probably still make the playoffs yet. You know, and like, like it just shows their pitching depth. You could trade Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer and send down Clevenger and Plesak all in a calendar year. And they're like, oh, we're still going to be fine. Uh, so that's annoying. But good for them for saying, I don't care. And if this does cost them a playoff spot, you can draw the, you can draw the connection to that incident. So very powerful yeah. stuff. The only thing is I don't think they could send the – like I think Clevenger especially, it's 20 days if he's down in the minors. He misses having the full year. By a day. Credit by a day. Yeah, that, that's not going to fly. If you're going to actually do this, you have to either A, bring him up after 19 days and be like a you are on thin ice, buddy, because I'll, I'll do it again type deal. Or you got to keep him down there the rest of the year because if you keep him down there quite literally for 20 days – that is going to go to arbitration. That is going to look very bad for the franchise. The franchise will not win that case. I promise you. I promise you. Oh, yeah. They will lose when that When you're talking case. money, punishments don't matter. Yeah. Mike Clemenger would be awarded that extra day of service time. So either, you know, keep him down there for the two weeks or 19 days, wherever it is, so he still has the year rollover, or keep him down there. Like, really stick to the guns. And that's the only case you have. 
for winning that arbitration. You know, it's like, no, he was done. We were done with Mike Clevenger. We were done with Plesak. It's, you know what? It's, it's not fair, I guess you could say, quote unquote, you know, for, for a lot of these players that, you know, I was following CDC, but, you know, that's not good enough. But guess what? You compensated, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions and of dollars. And you have the option that's, not that's to just, do this. Yeah. So, yeah, that's – you got to deal with the extra set of rules because you are handsomely compensated. Yeah, that's, how it that's exactly it. And it's – it's. I mean, NBA players are giving up their families. You know, NHL players are, are giving, you know, giving up time with their families. Guys are missing the birth of their kids and stuff. And it's like Zach Plesak, you can, you can go a night without dinner with the boys at Slugger's yeah. or wherever you want in Chicago. All right. So let's talk about the actual. Imagine <laughs> over Slugger's. Oh, <laughs> I don't think they actually went to Slugger's. I, they probably went somewhere nice. I mean, but, good joke, but just the idea that it was Slugger's. Yeah. It could have been Slugger's. It could have been. It could have been anywhere. All right. So let, quick review of the Indians on the field. The, uh, the tribe, um, Alex, even without Clevenger and Plesak, the starting rotation is pretty damn good. Yeah. And the Indians are not see or the Pirates are not seeing any slouches in these three games against the Tribe this week, including the guy they're facing today, Carlos Carrasco. Um, they'll face Aaron Savali on Wednesday and on Thursday. They're going against, I'll say it, the best pitcher in the world right now. I'm and looking I forward to Thursday. I, it's going to be, regardless of some people might listen to this as like a hate listen for the pirates. And I get that there are a lot of angry pirates fans out there, but let me tell you, if you, if you're like one of those anti nutting guys, I'm not going to give them a dime. I'm not listening to them on the radio or watching them on TV. Let me tell you, you're going to want to watch Thursday's game because it's yes. going to be a pitcher's battle. Trevor Williams is throwing the ball really well right now. And they're going against the guy, Shane Beaver, who is just striking out anything in his way. His curveball is the best curveball I've probably seen. I mean, I, I since I since I can't say since I've been covering baseball. I've only been covering it professionally for three years. But since I've really come to understand the game, it's the best one that I've seen. It's it's incredible. No one can hit it. They're whiffing at it like fifty percent of the time or something like that. It's insane. Just watch Thursday if you're a fan of the game. I mean, yeah. it's as simple as that. Like. <laughs> It doesn't matter if you're a Pirates fan, a Cleveland fan, a Detroit Tigers fan, a Los Angeles Dodgers fan. Like Shane Bieber, should be much watch, must watch TV for baseball fans. He, he's he's every baseball fan this year should watch Shane Bieber pitch at least once. You hear it's, like it's the stories of, of a of how Kershaw had a couple of those years, or Pedro Martinez, I believe. What was it, ninety nine, where he was just yeah. unhittable. Bieber's having one of those years and it's early. I get it. He's only had four starts, but he's just untouchable and he's done it against some pretty damn good competition too. The white Sox, the twins. I mean, dude's a stud. Um, aside from their starting rotation, their bullpen seems to be pretty solid. Oliver Perez homecoming. One of the, it seems like thousands. I, I said this on Twitter. Oliver Perez, I was in third grade when Oliver Perez was traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I was in third grade. They traded away Brian Giles. And now, I've, again, I've covered Major League Baseball for three years now. So, I mean, it's – That was a, one of the best trades this organization has ever made. Really? They honestly, Brian Giles for Bay and Perez. Yeah, that's a solid trade. I, ten times out of ten, take that deal. 
even though Oliver Perez had one good year with the Pirates. Um, he had one. He had one great year with yeah. the Pirates. Yes. Like speaking of someone who, I, I best year, I, any Pirate pitcher of my lifetime. Not even a question. Garrett Cole, twenty fifteen. No. No. Perez okay. was better. All right. Whatever. Cole. Cole's top top three, but. Okay. Anyway, aside from aside from Ollie, uh, the bullpen, it's fine. One weakness is their closer, Brad Hand. He's had he had a horrible second half of the season last year for the Indians, and he is struggling again this year. James Karnachak, I believe, is his name. Uh, he's number ninety nine. He changed his number to ninety nine in honor of Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn, and he actually that's the music he comes out to out of the bullpen. It's pretty dope. He's a beast. So hope to see Brad Hand if you're a Pirates fan, not not James Karanak or whatever his name is, Karachak, whatever. Um, offensively, Alex, the Cleveland Indians are the only team in baseball with a lower team batting average than the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, so, yeah. There's gonna be if you're they, a gambler, a, I would bet the under for every game this series. <laughs> yeah, they got a couple good guys up the middle though. Yeah, I mean, you look at their offense, uh, the one guy that's really hitting the ball well for the Indians right now is Framil Reyes, the guy that they acquired in the big deal last year. In the last seven games, he's slashing 500, 567, 10.38. That's not an OPS. That's a slugging percentage. That's an OPS of 1,600. Yes, correct. He has four home runs and nine runs batted in. Um, He's absolutely killing the ball. I believe he hits fifth in the lineup. The four guys in front of him are all switch hitters, which is really unique to have four switch hitters at the top of their order. And their ninth hitter is Sandy Leone, the catcher. So they have five switch hitters regularly in their lineup, which is a Clint Hurdle dream. Um, (laughs) And of those five switch hitters, uh, only one of them is really hitting the ball well right now. That's Jose Ramirez. He has an OPS over 900, and we've talked about Jose Ramirez already on this podcast during the scrimmages. Uh, Lindor struggling a little bit. Carlos Santana struggling mighty at the plate, but he's doing what he does best. He leads the MLB in walks. He has 27. I think the closest to him in that number, I forget who it is, but they're, they're at like 20. So he, he gets on base, and they set the table, and when your cleanup guy isn't hitting the ball, but he's getting walks, and you have a hot hitter like Framil Reyes right behind him, it's a recipe for disaster. So the Pirates really got to take care of Romeo Reyes. They got to cool him off this series. Um, and then Alex, my final number here as we preview the Indians is four. The Indians are nine and zero in games where they score four or more runs this year. So if you see the Indians reach the number four on the run column, and you're a Pirates fan, you should not feel good about the status of the game because that's how you good know- their starting pitching is. All they need is four runs. Do you know who could produce a couple runs potentially in Who's a normal that? year? Josh Bell. Yes. And but I he think isn't that, right now. Wow. Look at you trying to play transition. I'm, I'm playing transition. Game, okay. I respect that. All right. So we're going to wrap up the Indians recap right now. When we come back, second segment, we're going to maybe visit the mound. It's a mound visit was his story. We're actually going to visit first base. We're going to talk about Josh Bell, his continued struggles at the plate. We're going to dive into that when we come back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Second segment of the show, Alex. Let's visit the mound. Alex, for, for those who have not read it already, go to dkpitchburgsports.com, which I'm sure everyone listening knows all about because this is on DK Sports Radio and we both work there. And if you don't know, about that website, I mean, I just, that I don't know what to say. would be interesting if there is any There's, overlap Yeah, of like I mean, people who, how big is that Venn diagram of people it's, it's, it's who two listen circles. to DK Sports Radio but don't yeah. read the site? It's two circles on top of each other. Um, but yeah, go read Alex's story uh, on Josh Bell. It's some good analysis. I mean, he had a lot of time to work on it when he was <laughs> stuck in his hotel yeah. room in Cincinnati over the weekend. Um but Josh Bell continues to struggle at the plate. A guy who lit the world on fire like last last year to start the season in 2019. The first 60 games of the year was the best hitter in baseball, but then the 60 games after that wasn't great. And this comes before or that came after a 2018 campaign where he pretty much struggled to find consistency all year long. In 2017, during his first full years for first full year in the big leagues, he did pretty well. So Alex re-examines all, the, re-examines all the numbers, and it's, it's not good right now, Alex. It's not good no. for Josh Bell. No, and I'm going to just say that it's not good swinging left-handed for Josh Bell. I, I, I kind of put in the piece like, look, I don't really want to look at the right-handed stuff because he's not chasing a lot of pitches out of the zone. Whenever he's making contact, it's hard contact. I, okay, he's two for 14. If he was four for 14, you know, we wouldn't be asking, like, what's wrong with him right-handed? Like, that's the difference with this small sample size. Let's just look at the left-handed swing because the left-handed swing is where he's chasing pitches, especially pitches that are low and outside. Uh, he's, he's whiffing a lot. He's just, making, he's just making bad decisions at the plate. And he's saying, you know, like, the timing's off. And I, I believe it whenever he says the timing's off because it really does look like it. I put it in the end of the story. The one, the best part of the trip for me to Cincinnati was getting that extra vantage point, that new vantage point of his swing. And whenever you see that leg kick go up, he has had some really ugly swings. And it looks a whole lot worse from, you know, down the first baseline. So whenever I look at Josh Bell, the number one thing is the chases. And if you've, been, if you've been watching the parts, you don't need, you know, a bunch of data to say, like, hey, no. he's really chasing pitches out of the zone. That's, it's low and outside every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's especially with off-speed stuff, which kind of surprised me because going into it, I thought it was really going to be the breaking stuff. And he's really struggling against the breaking stuff. But it seems like more of the bad decisions he's making is with the off-speed. Yeah. yeah. With you know play off the fastball you can't hit the fastball then they bring and break it so it all it all comes in to play and you know whenever you're a switch hitter you're going to be seeing a lot of change-offs because that's how pitchers try to get guys out with the opposite hand it's that pitch so it's it's a, it's a tough case with josh right now 
and I kind of dreaded writing that mound visit because that was kind of hanging over because I, I know a lot of people have been asking, you know, in, in uh, the live queues and just articles in general, like, hey, what's up with Josh Bell? And it's like, well, he's a tough guy to examine. And even in the whole piece I wrote, I don't have a definitive answer of what's wrong with Josh Bell. I have a bunch of observations and it's like, look, here's this. His hands are, you know, closer to his body than they were last year. Could that be something? It's different. It's different. I don't know if it's necessarily better or worse, but it's different. Uh, the chasing out of the zone, the fact that he can't look at video in between. There, it's not just one thing with Josh Bell is the big thing to drive in all this. There are a couple reasons why he is struggling the way that he is right now. And I don't know what those couple are. I can just throw things up against a wall right now. The video thing is something that he himself has talked about. Uh, during mm -hmm. his media briefing, and we don't need to play the audio because it wasn't anything spectacular. It was just basically what we're going to say right now and what Alex talked about in his story, how he said he was one of those guys that after every single at-bat, he would go into the clubhouse or into the dugout or wherever they have the video machine. The video room. Yeah, the video, the video room. room. Yeah. And he would watch his swing the entire at-bat. He would watch how he got out or even if he hit a home run, see what he did well, what he didn't. And – that's even more beneficial when you're a designated hitter. That would have been great for him if he had that at his access this year in a year where he can play that position. However, they do not allow uh, players in an enclosed area with a video operator. So you can do that before and after the game, basically. But during the game, that can't happen, which kind of blows my mind when you think about it because, like, you can't tell me, but, like, he couldn't figure that out on his own. And they just put an iPad there and zoom in and stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know. But I'm not going to argue about that because that's the how it is The Astros, I think, team. have ruined a lot of things for a lot of people. That is true. That is true. I didn't think of that angle. But I think the video thing is definitely uh, part of it. And I think another part of it is you get in your own head. When, you're, when you struggle for – when you struggle at anything for past a week or something – you get in your own head and now you're over and maybe it is like an over analyzing something. Maybe he's trying to change too much. Maybe it's just, he knows that his numbers are going to look bad if he does poorly because it's such a short time frame, a short season. And he he's trying too hard. I don't know what he is, but yeah, the chasing, he normally has better discipline than that. I mean, when he's yeah. hitting the ball, well, he doesn't, chase that kind of stuff and I know that sounds dumb when you I mean when you read that sentence I just said on paper well he hits the ball well when he doesn't swing at bad pitches like well no kidding but that's really if you look at the one chart you posted on your story Alex I mean there's I think yellow was the color of the change-ups and he's swinging at every change-up there's nothing remotely close to the strike zone that they're throwing off speed and it just kind of blows my mind that he doesn't a adjust or B lay off of those pitches. And I don't know if he's waiting for him to break or what it is. Um, my question for you, the one thing you didn't mention when you were looking over his swing and his stance and everything is his position in the batter's box. Do you think he's standing closer to the plate this year? And maybe that's why, because when I was looking at the swings that you compared and that might sound goofy or everything. No, no, that's legitimate. That's a legitimate. Thing. But I was thinking, I feel like last year he stood a little bit further away from the plate. And now I think he's 
maybe because it's they are pitching him outside so often, he's standing closer, and maybe that's why he feels like he can reach out and chase those pitches on the outer half of the plate. I don't know. But that's one thing when I was comparing the swings in your article um, through both the gifts and the videos, that's one thing I noticed where it looked like he was a little bit more closer to the plate. That's one thing I'm going to have my eye on when I'm up in the press box with my boy Alex Stump here and uh, today and for the rest of the week. So yeah. what are your thoughts on that? And that was a little keen eye there. That is a good keen eye. I, I didn't notice that. Like I, like I seriously watched two hours worth of Josh Bell swings in Cleveland. What Not a, Cleveland, in Cincinnati on what Saturday. What a hell of a Saturday you had, buddy. Yeah, I know. I should have gone partying with Mike Clevenger, huh? <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, I'll say this. I could think of worse players to party with than Mike Clevenger. I mean, he looks like a good time. But I, I was jealous of the hair. I couldn't yeah. get it out, too. Oh, that's what it, I'm saying. It flows a lot better for him. For me, after towards the end, it was just kind of, you know, just, just trying to contain it. Yeah. I don't, I don't miss the flow. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. All right. So, but yeah, you think maybe it could be positioned in the batter's box? I, I, I don't want to shoot from the hip with stuff like this, but that's something I'm going to keep an eye on from All now right. on. I mean, because it's, it's a fair thing to bring up, especially with those outside pitches, which we've seen him swing at. It's not really the inside stuff that's getting him. It's pitches that are outside or pitches that are low. All right. And one thing that has nothing to do with where he stands in the box, uh, where his hands are, you know, what he's doing, if he's doing a foot tap or a leg kick or what three-quarter kick, whatever you want to call it, is his spot in the batting order. Are we finally going to get to see this guy not hit third? Because, I mean, how much more blood does Shelty want right now? I mean, the guy is clearly struggling. He should not be hitting third, right? I would rather see Josh Bell hit leadoff than third. We're not going to... down that road again. But Well, I'm, I'm going to be – I'm going to go down that road. Okay. Just, All right. Know, just to say it, like, I mean, I don't think Josh Bell is struggling because he moved to third in the order in the same way that I don't think Andrew McCutcheon in 2016 struggled because he went to second in the order I don't I, I I'm not going to pretend that it's not different I'm not going to pretend that it's not different but I don't think it has that big a bearing as other people make it out to be even in a case like Josh Bell where he could theoretically watch someone for an inning and then go you know batter, pirates go down one two three and then he goes into the second inning after watching that whole thing without having to it's a bat so something like that. I I don't know. I think the video thing is a really big thing for him, especially with the guy who has the leg kick. And the leg kick is obviously so important to, to his timing. And, you know, the fact that he can't – it's almost like he has the plan going into the game, and that, that's kind of it. That's all he could really do. And if the velocity or the break is different than what he expects, then the timing's going to be off. It's almost like that's the case. Fair. Alex, another show in the books like we do before the start of every series. Give me a bold prediction that you see here from your Pittsburgh Pirates. I think Jay And don't Group, say – I was going to say, and don't just say they're going to win They'll win a game. Yeah, you know what? They barely played any games in the last series. That turned out to be a pretty. They good didn't lose prediction. a series. They didn't. They, oh my goodness! That's the first. Se- no wait, no. The Minnesota Twins series. 
it's broken up into two separate yeah. two gamers. So, okay, that's technically two series that they didn't lose, but hey, that's the first one. Hey. That, you know, first real series they didn't lose. My bold prediction is JT Brubaker really shows something. He pushes. He pushes on Tuesday. What does and that mean? I want it, something it, we can quantify, we, we can measure. You're just, he you know what? You know what? Pushes what, Alex? Pushes like the ball card out during batting practice? Like, be specific, please, Stump. Come on, give whatever, me Whatever Brew Baker is in the game, he's not going to stay in the game that long. He's probably only going to throw four or five innings, but I think his four or five innings are going to go better than Carrasco's first four or five innings. He outpitches Carlos Carrasco whenever he's in the game. My bold prediction Eric Gonzalez has more hits this series than Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor. Not combined, but either or. He's going to out-hit both of them this series, the two guys that held him back from a starting spot in Cleveland. I'm coming hot with you, you, baby. You're two for two with coming in hot predictions right now. What do I have to lose? They aren't going to call me up and be like, hey, man, it's not working out. <laughs> Pack your bags. You're going back to Canton. You're going down to the miners. <laughs> We're optioning you. Yeah. For twenty days. We're going twenty days. For twenty days. Oof. That, the whole season would be over basically. We're we're optioning you until Duquesne starts playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> be sure to follow us on social media. All of the DK uh, sports accounts. Um, be sure to subscribe. To all of our content, just hit download all. It helps us out a lot. And we help you out. We help you get through the workday. We help you get through whatever you're going through uh, because it's some good content we're putting out here. And um, keep it buckled in. We'll have more content after the Pirates game today against the Tribe. We'll talk about that and more the next time you hear these wonderful voices tomorrow on the pod to be named later. We'll see you later.